My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. It has recently come to my attention from listening to the radio sports station, the network broadcast, see, presenting communiques of national import, that there's an affliction being visited upon the football players of this great country, that, though you wouldn't credit it, a head-ramming, body-slamming, 12-man pile-up executed by gents hauling upwards of 300 pounds of muscle is not conducive for health. In fact, it seems... Some of these fellas are in a right pickle thanks to an infirmity known as, and here's a long name now, known as chronic traumatic encephalopathy. That's right, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE for short. But let's eschew the the jargon and call it what it is, getting your brains rattled. Turns out, and... Who the heck would have deduced as such that a peck of concussions is bad for the gray matter? Uh-huh. So now we have folks agitating, agitating, I say, against our young boys bouncing off each other in emulation of our national sports heroes. That's right. Grumpy grown-ups want to ban youth football. And what does Farmer Gray think of this scheme? Well, let me answer that by recounting an inspirational story from my own youthful exploits with the pigskin. Of course, I'm not talking about fancy high school play with helmets and pads and the like. I refer instead to a good old sandlot game. Muscle against muscle, bone against bone, as God intended. I was captain of our team here in Trouveau, the Alfalfa Kings, and we'd play other sandlots from round the county in the field back of Nielsen's hardware store. The wheat boys, the apple chores, the sorghum savages. We challenged them all, and more often than not, we came out top of the pile. Anyway, when we'd play, no doctors or medicos waited on the sidelines to coddle a fellow whose brains got tumbled in a tackle. No, sir. No adult to cosset and protect. What we had instead was hooty-hoo. That's right, dear listeners, that's what we called it, hooty-hoo. See, if a player got hit and didn't look quite right, we'd just look him in the face and say, hooty-hoo? Hooty who? And if he replied, Hooty who, right back, we'd know he was correct in his mind and ready to play some more. And never was there a time it didn't work. Hooty who was better than a CAT scan, I'm here to say. Anyway, there was this little fella, Louis Stray. Our age, but a real bantam and thin, too. Not the type to consort with strapping farm lads like us. But Lewis, he loved football, and this sickly lad had no greater desire than to join us on the field of battle. Now, 
time and again we'd refuse, citing his diminutive frame and peaky aspect. You'll only sustain severe injury, we told him, and not so gently either, and lose us the game besides. So it went throughout our sandlot career. That is, till one day, when we were about to enter combat against our most brutal opponents, the beetroot brawlers. For that afternoon we learned that Todd Crenshaw, our biggest and fastest running back, was passing up this, the most important game of the season, for a trip to the Quitman County Carnival and all the sugar-laden fancies he could cram down his faithless gullet. "'What'll we do now?' asked Sam Crow, offensive lineman, in good right hand to Captain Yours Truly. "'I'll tell you what we'll do,' says I. "'We'll replace the inconstant Todd with a dedicated competitor, one Louis Stray.' "'Louis!' exclaimed Samuel. "'You can't let that half-pint onto the team, "'especially not today when we confront our most ruthless adversary.' "'Oh, yes,' says I, "'because Lewis may lack muscle, "'and he may lack speed, "'and he may lack skill. "'But Lewis is endowed with virtues "'that supersede such prosaic qualities, "'and by that I mean heart, will, and dedication. "'No, friend Samuel, "'it's Lewis who will replace Todd "'in today's big game.' And if my daddy did not forbid gambling, I'd lay odds on that boy's success. Well, Samuel, trusting my sagacity, acquiesced to my proposal, and I called young Lewis in off the patch of grass from whence he'd planned to view the game. Lewis, says I, with perfidiously stern comportment, you cannot watch our game today. Well, the boy looked so downcast, I'd have liked to cry had I not known what was coming. You cannot watch the game, says I, because, Louis Stray, you are going to be in the game. Now, when one hears one's dream is coming true, it takes a moment for the news to sink in, and Louis was no exception to the rule. For fully three seconds passed before he lifted his previously forlorn chin and with eyes like Christmas, said, Do you mean it? I surely do, says I. I surely do. You'll play running back, and I've no doubt you'll be an estimable asset to our team. Now get onto that field, Louis Stray, and put your mind and muscle to it. Well, that boy did not plod, and that boy did not saunter. That boy ran onto the field and took his place on the fabled line of scrimmage. Meanwhile, I sidled up to our quarterback, one Dees Quintle, and said to him, all furtively, "'Hand off the ball to Lewis.' "'Huh?' says he. "'Hand him the ball,' I repeated. "'But, but,' stammered Dees, "'hand him the ball that hothouse flowers like to get killed.' "'Trust me,' says I. "'That boy's got all he needs to score us a victory.' Maybe not on the outside for all the world to see, but inside where it counts. All right, says Dees, for you are my captain, and your wisdom is as doctrine to me. So it is that Lewis will receive, said Ball, and as you've adumbrated, surely comport himself as victor. With that, I took my own place on the line, and 
with the ball snapped to D's, watched in satisfaction as our faithful quarterback fetched the prolate spheroid straight into Lewis's hands. Now, listeners, believe me when I tell you that I had never before seen a boy race down a field, fly down a field, with such unbridled joy, skimming across the grass as if blessed with winged feet. Why, I reckon he traversed a full yard and a half before tackled by a six-man pile-up. Not the touchdown I had predicted, but fully four feet more than most would have given him credit for. Well, we dragged him off the field, and the boy was admittedly looking a bit bleary-eyed, so I used that tried-and-true trick to assess his cognizance. Hooty-hoo, says I, looking Lewis straight in the face. Hooty-hoo. Took a second or two, but doggone it if the banty rooster didn't echo back Hooty-hoo. A bit choked, perhaps, for I believe one of our opponents may have proffered a knee to his throat, but clear nonetheless, and a sure sign our Lewis was ready for competitive recrudescence, i.e. a return to the game. So I sent him back out there, and he retook his position on the line, a little confused, perhaps, for we had to remind him which position he was occupying— But what's 700 pounds of meat and bone crushing your delicate frame when you've got the spirit of a champion boiling within? No, I knew, despite his slow start, that old Lewis would do us proud. In fact, I instructed friend Dees to repeat the previous play. You want me to hand him the ball again, spluttered the quarterback, incredulous? I certainly do, says I. The beetroots, well, it's the last thing they'd expect, a Lewis redux, and now that boy's found his footing, I'm betting he'll zip down that field like a rabbit with its tail afire. Yes, sir, it's Lewis's time to shine, and bedazzle he will. Dee sighed, and with a tinge of possibly gratuitous hesitation, said, All right, Team Captain Gray, I will accede to your arrogation. And so we returned to play, Dees and I ripe to be complicit in Louisian laurels. The ball snapped, the handoff came, and Lewis, seemingly strangely befuddled, stood motionless, ball in hand, until tackled by a nine-man pile-up, the hefty bodies of our opponents covering him like an Indian burial mound. So we dragged our Lewis off the field again, but... Despite this infelicitous turn of events, my faith in the lad was undeterred. Hooty-hoo, says I, observing the bruised countenance of the player stretched out upon the dirt. Hooty-hoo, but Lewis made no verbal reply. I think it's time, said Samuel, surveying the state of our player, to retire young Lewis from the game. Not so fast, says I, not so fast. It's true that his mouth expels no hooty-hoo, and you would be forgiven for perceiving this as surrender. But bark his face, friend Samuel, and surely you will discern that his eyes, if not his tongue, are shouting, hooty-hoo. His eyes, queried Samuel, ever the skeptic. His eyes, I replied. Why, I dare say the volume of hooty-hoo from those expressive orbs is downright deafening. 
All right, says Samuel, not wishing to emulate the sins of doubting Thomas. If you say he's expressing an ophthalmologic hootie-hoo, I will embrace, however reluctantly, your postulation. So Samuel and I, suffused with youthful optimism, carried Lewis back onto the field and propped him up ready for play. And an eventful down it was for Lewis, for as the ball was snapped and the teams flew down the field, a dozen players tackled the boy, pinning him beneath a flesh-and-blood pyramid, and this even though he had neither moved nor even had the ball this time. So once again we dragged the lad off the field, and this time Samuel, Dees, and several other members of our team gathered round to suggest that Lewis not return to the field of combat. Not then, not ever. And my reply? My response to all this negativity was another hooty-hoo. Captain Gray, says Samuel, I don't think that boy's gonna hooty-hoo again. Not with his mouth and not with his eyes. Fact, his eyes appear to have rolled up into his head. Well, now, I guess that was true enough, with the irises hidden beneath Lewis's upper lids. And this was no, but this was no ordinary player we were talking about. No, sir. This was a boy who aspired to gridiron glory, in whom dreams of victory would not be swept clean by mere physical trauma. Listen not to his mouth, nor look to his eyes, I admonished my compatriots. Hear instead the drumming of his heart. His heart, queried these? Yes, brother quarterback, says I. For with each beat I can hear plain as day two words emanating loud and clear. Hooty-hoo, hooty-hoo, hooty-hoo. So, says Samuel, Lewis is saying hooty-hoo with his very heart? That's right, says I, with his heart and with his soul, and it is a thundering cry. With that, we carried the heroic Lewis back onto the field, laying him prone before the opposing team's nose guard. Are you sure that's a good place for him? asked Samuel, for the tackle weighs 200 pounds, and the slight Lewis lies before him like a carpet. Devise no presentiment, says I, for Lewis is steeped in the fighting spirit and will, when called upon to act, leap into the fray, cognizant of naught but the welfare of his team. He cannot comport himself otherwise. At which point the ball was snapped, and for reasons I can only attribute to habit, every member of the beetroot brawlers piled upon the inanimate figure of Lewis Stray. So we picked the boy up and laid him at the edge of the field, carefully, for his limbs were hanging at odd angles. I, for one, was ready to have one more go at hooty-hoo, but so vociferously did my teammates protest this stratagem, I capitulated to their remonstrance, and we permitted the lad a well-deserved respite from battle. The beetroots emerged victorious, 21-7, to but... Lose though we did, it was, I think, the proudest game in which I'd ever participated, for we gave young Lewis an opportunity he never expected and would cherish for the rest of his too short time on earth. Too short, I say, for a mere week later our dear aspirant teammate was carried off this earth and into Jesus' arms, 
courtesy of a tragic brain hemorrhage. And though this unexpected and wholly unavoidable tragedy left us bereft, we could point with pride at the beneficent camaraderie of that fateful game when we came together to give an eager young player, lacking in heft but not in heart, his final chance at football glory. And you won't deduce me to be too sentimental if I concede that on certain nights, when the winds course low or the sorghum fields, I can still hear that strained but courageous voice. Hooty who? Hooty who? Hooty who? Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 